Prime Headlines is brought to you by Don't take risks. Use a condom every time. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out Malaya one time. Some spices. Yes, sir. I am Samuel Kojo Brace. Thanks for choosing us. This is Join News Prime. Our headlines this are more questions. Emergency Celia Dapes staged million dollar scandal with the Attorney General adducing fresh set of fact contradicting those presented by police prosecutors, including a claim that a reported one million dollars found in the home of the former sanitation minister did not belong to her. Also, fiery scenes and debate on a mid-year budget review presented by Ken Ofori Atta as both sides go neck and neck at each other. The worst form of an IMF program since Mansamusa went on a famous pilgrimage to Mecca. Of the 20 women from the minority side, none of them had an opportunity to comment on this statement. None of them. So ECG and other public companies must not be subject to the public procurement laws of Ghana. Former Power Minister Kwabena Donkosers insisting the Auditor General must not even be auditing them. We have details as he says the continuous auditing of these companies by the Auditor General is illegal. At 8 p.m., I hand over to Pius Kodjobaka to bring us my business. And economist Dr. Patrick Isumi warns commercial banks may struggle to recapitalize owing to the impact of the domestic debt action program on the financial sector. I think that, you know, if there's any immediate increment in the capital requirement, there will be a little bit of struggle for some of the banks. Um, th- there's no two ways that the domestic debt exchange has weakened the banks. At 8.30 p.m., Razak Musba will join us with Time Sports. Ghana's athletics team gets a major boost as Minister for Youth and Sports commits to ensure adequate preparation for the World Athletics Championship in Budapest, Hungary. Necessary support uh, to ensure that their, their participation becomes very successful. This news is live on DSTV Channel 421 and GoTV Channel 125. Around the world, on my joy on. We are independent, fearless, and credible. Stay tuned. Join News Prime Headlines was brought to you by... Don't take risks. Use a condom every time. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out Malaya one time. Some spices. Yes, sir. It was fireworks in Parliament as leadership on both sides ended the debate on a mid-year budget review presented to the House by Finance Minister and Ophoriata. It was the usual politicking until the Deputy Majority Leader, Alexander Afeomaki, stirred controversy with his comment that the NDC female MPs were not courageous enough to comment on the statement throwing the House into near chaos. Kwekwa Sante has more in the following report. 
Media budget presented to Parliament last Monday has seen some spirited debate on the floor of Parliament. Although, per the standing orders of the House, this statement is just to elicit comments. What we have seen on the floor is nothing short of fiery debates on both sides of the House. They've been debating the statement for some time now, and today, MPs debated for the last time. We first heard from MP for North Tongue, Samuel Okujotua Blackwa, who raised the matter of sanitary parts and asking why Finance Minister Ken Oforiata did not remove the taxes on parts in the media budget review. There was a sharp response from the government side, the NPP MP for Sefri Akontombra Alex Tete, firing and saying that the taxes are needed to protect local industries. Ghanaian women had agitated strongly that this media review should address a very important matter a matter that borders on human rights. And Mr. Speaker, I recall that you also spoke emphatically, which was well received by the Ghanaian people, that the media review should abolish taxes on sanitary parts. It is an embarrassment that such a gross human rights issue did not receive attention from the finance minister. My colleague from the other side, Honorable Okujotua is, is presenting a fact that the sanitary part government has imposed us on it. And I want you to recall that there is a report from AGI that government should allow the local companies to produce the sanitary part in this country. And Mr. Speaker, these two companies are Sandra and Industry and Finding Industries. Mr. Speaker, if you compare the price from the foreign sanitary part, as I speak, it's 15 Ghana cities per one. The local, government, uh, the local companies are preparing or producing this particular sanitary part at the cost of 11 cities. And I want to add, ask Honorable Abrakwa, should we actually collapse the local industries in this country? There were also matters on roads and school feeding, capitation grants on the floor of the House. Governor Kwame Agboja, the minority chief whip, declared that despite government saying this was going to be part of the year of roads project, there's literally no roads and government has squandered all money, literally sinking the country into debt. Dr. Clement Park also spoke about the school feeding grant, which he says is 99 pesos and it's not enough to cook any nutritious meal. We later heard from Carlos Ahinkra, who was on the defensive mode. This government owes road contractors about 15 billion Ghana cities. That is an example of collapsing businesses. That is lack of jobs, because these contractors, Mr. Speaker, 70% of the contractors are not on site. Mr. Speaker, I just read in the document, the finance minister saying that some projects are not on site. Mr. Speaker, ask one of the clerks to go to Lamte today and find out if the contractor is on site. Mm -hmm. The contractor has packed out. So which project is going on? If you go to Tamatu, Akosombo Road, the contractor is not there. Mm. Go to Tem Tamamoto Way towards uh, the Central University, the contractor is not there. So which project at all is going on as we are talking about? We are in a terrible state. What the minister is telling us is that he should be applauded for increasing the feeding grant in terms of the nominal value from 97 pesos to 99 pesos. 
Mr. Speaker, the same finance minister indicated to us that inflation is at 54.1 percent. Mr. Speaker, let's be realistic. The students are here. Who in this country today can afford to produce what the Ministry for Gender, Children and Social Protection describes as a hot, nutritious meal per day at 99 Ghana pesos, Mr. Speaker? The minority leader, Dr. Kesela Tofosin, wrapped up the debate for his minority side, insisting that the economic management team is actually economic mismanagement team. That this is the worst form of an IMF program since Mansamusa went on a famous pilgrimage to Mecca. The speaker, Ghanaians must understand that clearly it is not the IMF which has imposed these horrible conditionalities on austerity on them. In fact, it is rather the government of President Nana Adudankwa Kufuado and the economic mismanagement team led by Alaji Baumia further gives further details that the Bank of Ghana illegally printed over 45 billion Ghana cities representing 7.2% of GDP in 2022 alone and another 35 billion in, 2000, in 2021, first in the history of Ghana. The speaker, the Bank of Ghana is certainly a crime scene. Certainly a crime. The key members of the economic mismanagement team that superintended and supervised this economic crime are number one, Dr. Alaji Mahmoud Baumia, aka Mr. Strategist. Excuse me. Mr. Speaker, number two, we have the almighty Ken Oforiata. I call him aka one program, one bond. Mr. Speaker, we also have Governor Ernest Addison. AKA the printer. But then was the time for the majority leadership to conclude the debate or say Chairman Sabonsu has not been in the house today. So the baton fell to his deputy Alexander Fenyo Market, who stoked controversy in the house when he said the NDC minority female MPs did not have courage to comment on the matters presented by the finance minister. On our side, the majority we gave opportunity to three women to speak. Honorable Abinor Sayasari spoke. Honorable Sheila Patel spoke. Honorable Gipti Chum Ampofu spoke. Of the 20 women from the minority side, none of them had an opportunity to comment on this statement. None of them. We have lawyers, we have development specialists, we are social activists. No woman, no woman from the minority side had the courage to speak to comment on this matter. Well, this was not something the minority in the House was going to let slide. The, my colleague, my colleague uh, was given the opportunity to speak. He started by saying that no woman on the minority side had the courage. Mr. Speaker, if you respect women, you will not speak about, that, about women like that. There are courageous women here. So, Mr. Speaker, it is wrong, and I encourage you to withdraw that statement. Please, let me... I mean, how can I listen to all of you at the same time? Eventually, he was allowed to conclude his debate. Parliament is expected to adjourn Sini Dean on Thursday, set to return in October, although the date is not publicly known yet. MPs have been sitting late into the night 
And this media budget review has served as the last major business that they have taken before going on break. Reporting for Joy News, Kweku Asante, Parliament House, Accra. Now, there's fresh controversy following the publication of the Attorney General's advice to the police on the Cecilia Dapa stashed million dollar scandal. The document seen by Joy News and addressed to the Director General of the Police Criminal Investigation Department reveal a raft of contradictions which the, with the fact first filed in court by police prosecutors. Whereas the police's fact conclude that the $1 million allegedly stolen from the former sanitation minister's home belonged to her, the AG's document claims Cecilia Dapa had written a statement in which she was categorical that the money was not hers. Joy News editor and head of our political affairs desk, Evans Minsa, joins me now with details. Evans, first we learn from the AG's document that uh, Cecilia Dapar discovered the alleged theft on 10th October 2022, last year, after her husband informed her on the 6th of October, four days prior. Mm. She had been in Kumasi when the husband found the uh, house help allegedly in the bedroom where the monies were kept. We are told in the AG's uh, uh, advice that Cecilia Dapa only gave the police statement um, nine months later on the 4th of July this year, 2023. Um, we also learned that Cecilia Dapa's brother also gave a statement corroborating his sister's account. When did, this, uh, did he give a statement and what, uh, you know, did he tell the police? So Cecilia Dapa, according to this mm-hmm. uh, AG's advice mm-hmm. to the police, gave the statement on the 4th of July this year. Mm-hmm. And, and notes that that is one of the key, I guess, questions that this throws up, that the first time Sir Lapa got to know that his staff was missing was on the 10th of October the previous year, mm-hmm. which is the point you made about the nine-month gap. Mm-hmm. She was in Kumasi when her husband had called her and said something has happened. She comes to Accra four days later. So this was the 6th of October when her husband discovered this. Mm-hmm. And then on the 10th, Sir Lapa arrives and then goes to the house and finds that indeed something has happened. Mm. It took a couple of days to sort out what, has, what, has, what was missing. Mm. And then on nine months later, she, from the account, at least the facts before us, as producing the AG's own advice. advice in the document, there was no report that was filed in October. Mm. It was only filled in July or 4th, 2023. Mm. So what did she find? And that's where the controversy is about how much money was stolen, which is what has been in controversy. Mm. According to the AG's document, the Sisledapa, in a statement to the police on the 4th of July, said that she, the amounts of money that had been, had, had been stolen, she found that they had lost a bag containing about $200,000. Mm-hmm. Another bag that had 300,000 euros, an amount of 300,000 CDs, mm-hmm. which is contribution for the, her mother's funeral, 50,000, which is described as for the house, 50,000 CDs, which mm-hmm. is described as for the house, and a box containing about $800,000, mm-hmm. and this is important, mm-hmm. belonging to her deceased brother, uh, which was sent to her together with some regalia for safekeeping following the death of the brother. Mm-hmm. Now, the important thing that the AG's document also states is that the $200,000, which was found in the bag, together with the $300,000 both found in the bag, there was, there's no record. She didn't state who the money belongs mm-hmm. to. But mm-hmm. in the statement to the police, according to the AG document, she said 
that the $800,000 that was found in a box in her house don't belong to her, but the brother. Mm. Now, her other brother, who is called uh, Henry Osei Kwabana, also uh, wrote a statement mm. on the same day, 4th of July this year, 2003, and corroborated these facts. In fact, he then adds that when the brother died, the brother was a chief, mm-hmm. and uh, is Akwisi Esan II, Numwahene to Tun to II. He died in January of 2022. Now, his office was opened following his death, and they found a box in the office. They checked the box, and the box had $800,000 in it. Subsequent to that discovery, the mother, their mother, then asked this brother to send that box to Sisiladapai in Accra, the sister, to keep, for safekeeping. When that happened, the mother also added some regalia, gold regalia to it, right? And that was all sent to Sisiladapai to keep. Now, the evidence, according to the AG's account now, is that Sisiladapai, in writing his statement, her statement on the 4th of July, actually then said that money belonged to the mother and was corroborated mm-hmm. by, by the brother. But that raises a few questions. Mm-hmm. Because it raises questions when you compare it to the police's charge sheet, which they had sent to the court. Mm-hmm. And the police charge sheet had been amended three times. The last amendment is dated 20th of July, 2023. In all the amendments, the police stated that the money belonged to Siladapa. And mm-hmm. they didn't say $800,000 uh, or $200,000. They said $1 million, $1 million. Mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Now, the question that raises is, if you take the last amendment, which is the 20th of July, that came 16 days after Siladapa had written a statement to the police. Mm-hmm. And apparently from the AG's document, in that statement on the 4th of July, Siladapa had told the police in writing mm-hmm. that the money was in a box and the, that money belonged to the dead brother, the brother. right? Mm-hmm. And yet 16 days later, in spite of the fact that the police had that document, and this is the question that mm-hmm. comes up, mm-hmm. they still went to court with a third amendment mm-hmm. that still said the money belonged to Zidata mm-hmm. mm-hmm. They also didn't say it was $800,000. Mm-hmm. They said it, it was a million, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the question that that throws up is, why will the police having a written statement from the complainant in which she had said something that mm-hmm. the money did not belong to her. Why would the police 16 days later still insist that the money belonged to her? Somebody mm. needs to mm. break that gap. Mm. And another important but point. Let me, let me ask you this question, then you go yeah. there. Now, we understand that the day the lady was picked up on the 4th, the, the 2022, when the husband discovered the housemaid in the room, mm. the armed police guard in the house arrested the lady. Where was she taken to? So the, this is account, according to the husband of Siladapa, mm. that when the household was arrested, was, they found her apparently in the act mm-hmm. of stealing. The Siladapa had the bodyguard at home, the mm. police bodyguard, who arrested the lady and took her to the Tesano police station. Mm-hmm. That's according to the husband. Now the AG says, and I want to quote this part because it's important, when they examined the document, there is nothing in the docket on the complaint made mm. by Daniel Osei Kufo, Daniel Osei Kufo is a handman mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or any member of the household at a Tesana police station, right? Mm-hmm. That in itself raised a question. Mm-hmm. So there was no complaint made by the mm-hmm. husband or any member of the household at Tesana police, sta- po- police station. Any member of the household 
Does that include Sister Dapa? Because she's a member of the household. Exactly. Because we know that she made a complaint on the 4th of July. Mm -hmm. Okay, if she didn't make a complaint at the Tesla police station, then where did she make her complaint, mm -hmm. right? But then to the question that you asked, mm -hmm. neither is there any information on the arrest of the first accused at the Tesano police, nor any investigation conducted at that stage. In other words, the AG says, when examined the docket, there is no evidence that the lady who was allegedly arrested mm -hmm. by the guard, police guard, who, which had been claimed that she went to Tesano, actually took her to Tesano. Mm -hmm. okay. So if she didn't take her to Tesano, then where did, she, where did the police officer take the suspect to? Mm -hmm. But to make it even more curious, Brace, this suspect, the only evidence the AG says they have on record of her arrest is an incident that happened on the 27th of June, 2023, mm. in Tamale. And this is eight clear months after Cecilia Dapai's husband had discovered her in the room mm. with the money and had caused her arrest mm. using the police officer mm. at the station, right? Mm. I mean, police officer mm. in the house who was guiding Cecilia Dapai. Mm. So again, you have to ask yourself. So between... The discovery of the of the alleged theft and a year mm -hmm. earlier mm -hmm. and 27th of june why did it take that long to arrest her well and why a, and again mm -hmm. she wasn't arrested in accra mm -hmm. she was arrested in tamale, tamale. Mm -hmm. well a lot of inconsistencies in there but let's uh, bring in lawyer samson ayenene who is a private legal practitioner lawyer what do you make of the inconsistencies that have been identified well, I spoke to Evans earlier on Top Story, and my views have not changed. Mm -hmm. I am worried and concerned about um, how bizarre uh, things are turning out. Uh, first of all, from the narration of events, as we see in the AG's documents, mm -hmm. the straightforward implication is that the investigations were completed before the main complainant, Cecilia Abinadapa, made a complaint to the police. That's, that's bizarre. Mm. The, her initial complaint, as is captured on the document, initial complaint was made on the 1st of July 2023. Mm. The husband made the discovery on the 6th of June. Uh, 6th of October, 2022. So when you look at the arrests that were conducted, um, monies that suspects, uh, houses that were retrieved and so on, cars that were taken uh, and so on, it's disturbing for me that the narrative now suggests that the work had been done and completed before she lodged a complaint. Mm. And before Henry also made a report to confirm her claim that well, so we're still on with the bedroom. And in the bedroom. Now, if you look at that, it's quite disturbing because on the 5th of July, there was an amendment to the charge sheet. On the 20th of July, there was yet another amendment to the charge sheet. So even if she made the complaint, her initial complaint, long 
which is very bizarre and strange because normally it's the complaint that you make first before investigations are conducted. Now you forget about that. Um, she writes her statement on the 1st of July. Her brother corroborates her statement on the 4th of July. On the 5th of July, there's a first amendment to the charge sheet. This does not reflect on the charge sheet. On the 20th of July, there's a second amendment to the charge sheet. This, once again, does not reflect on the charge sheet. I'm saying this is bizarre. There is something unusual, irregular mm. about it, and it has to be explained. But where I agree that the job that has been done by the Attorney General is good is in this respect. There is something we call in criminal law, as far as charge sheets and facts are concerned, that something is bad for duplicity. And the law says that there cannot be a conviction on a charge sheet that is bad for duplicity. This is what it means. Mm. You will see that they were pilfering. They were picking the money at different times. Well, um, law, lawyer Samson Ayanini is a legal, uh, private legal practitioner. He's been, he's been uh, giving us, you know, what this really means, um, you know, in, in legal terms. Evans, so where are we in terms of this particular case and all of the inconsistencies that we've identified? So the AG mm -hmm. itself, having gone through the facts, is asking the police to do a few things. One, they should establish, expand investigations, mm -hmm. first of all, to beyond just the case of theft and include an investigation into the money laundering issues that should involve the complainant mm. in this case. Mm -hmm. As we know, Sis Ledapa is a complainant in the matter. So the AG wants the investigations to be expanded to include her, the source of the funds, the mm -hmm. source, the, the true ownership of the 800,000, mm -hmm. mm -hmm. the uh, source of, of that money as well. Uh, he, she, the AG also wants the, whether or not the accused actually stole the full amount of 800,000. Remember mm -hmm. that there is also the $200,000 and the 300,000 euros that nobody currently knows who that belongs to because yeah. that apparently in a statement apparently didn't say mm -hmm. who that money belongs to. So the AG again has directed that they want the police to also investigate and establish the true ownership okay. of, of the 200,000 mm -hmm. and the 300,000 uh, and also the source of that amount of money because the Money is involved as significant, mm -hmm. and so that's the directive that has been given. And as mm -hmm. we know now, the uh, well, today the, the, the police, the, the court was told that the AG has taken over the case. And you see that here, that the advice, the directive is to the police to comply mm -hmm. and to submit the outcome of the investigations to the Attorney General's office mm -hmm. uh, for further work to be done on this. Mm -hmm. Now, there is also the issue of the accused claiming that they have done nothing. Uh, today, Richard Kujinyako was in court, and he has come through with this. In court on Wednesday, state prosecutors explained why the two accused persons, 18-year-old patients, Buchi, and 30-year-old Sarah J, were not in court. According to the prosecutor, the policemen to produce the accused persons had traveled and couldn't bring them to court. Lawyer for one of the accused persons, Augustine Jemphy, argued that his client has stolen no money and her side of the story will be heard soon after the court takes their plea. You don't sit in your office and you instruct a police prosecutor to tell the court that you want to take law. Some of this, we see it as some of this uh, gimmicks to 
deny people of the justice that they need. You know this matter, there are so many strengths here and there, and we know it is one of those tactics employed to keep the people in cells. Please, I tell you, my client has not stolen any money from anywhere. Please, Nobody has that kind of amount in their wardrobe. He also makes the point about how the police prosecutors are trampling on the rights of the personal persons. Uh, the last agenda it was granted bill in the sum of one million Ghana cities, two sureties, to produce their Ghana cards. In fact, normally when bill is granted at the court, the practice directive is that it is the registrar of the court who interprets the bill condition. The only role of the police is to, to look at the, the house or the abode of the sureties. But this one, when he went to the police station, the special intelligence unit, they themselves have taken it upon themselves to investigate and interpreting the court order, which to me is wrong. This is still Johnny's Prime. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more. Hey, Charlie, what number? The malaria really knocked you down, eh? Hey, Charlie, no joke. Fever, headache, vomiting, loss of appetite. I couldn't even eat my usual fufu. <laughs> <laughs> you and your fufu. But I hope you got it tested before the malaria treatment. Yes, I did. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out Malaya one time. When malaria strikes, take Malatu, containing Arthometer and Lumefantrin. Comes in tablets and suspension for effective treatment of malaria. Great to have you back. Thank you. No problem. Malatu is suitable for adults and children. Manufactured and distributed by NS Chemist Limited. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the FDA. My name is Tina. I am a person living with HIV. I got to know my HIV status after I gave birth and lost the child because of HIV. In those days, prevention of mother-to-child transmission services had low patronage due to fear and stigmatization. Today, many HIV-positive women have delivered negative children. I follow the guidelines and take my HIV medicine called ARVs every day as prescribed by my doctor. This makes me strong and healthy and also prevents me from passing HIV onto any future child. Please, avail yourself of PMTCT services when pregnant. It is the only way to ensure you do not pass the HIV onto your baby during birth or pregnancy. If you have tested for HIV recently and it was negative, test again when pregnant. If you have tested positive, Go to the hospital after birth as directed by your healthcare provider. Your baby will be given medicine immediately and tested to ensure baby and mother are well. Let us work together to have an HIV-free generation. Our children must be free to shine.
feels like becoming an entrepreneur aside academics is never going to be possible when you're in school. Mainly because we feel that we are young and we don't have the resources and the guts to be one. But if you believe in yourself and you have the passion to become an entrepreneur, then you already are. Staying ahead in a highly competitive environment requires applying creativity and innovation to every aspect of your journey to becoming an entrepreneur. Presently, entrepreneurship is driven by creativity and innovation to attain business objectives. The explosion in technology, business, entrepreneurship and consumption in this new era is as a result of the ongoing application of innovation. Milton Bell once said, if opportunity doesn't knock, build a door. So, if you are ready to be an entrepreneur, Heritage Christian College is ready for you. Heritage Christian College moves you from a wantrepreneur to become an entrepreneur. Hello, my name is Abeiku Agri Santana. If there's anything that makes my life so easy, it is my bank. I love hanging out with my boys' boys at our usual fufu joint. But even without cash, we still the job better with Ecobank Mobile. No matter the time of day, my bank helps me stay in touch with my beautiful wife whenever she's away. And when my beautiful wife is in town, she never misses out on her favorite TV shows because I'm able to pay up all my TV subscriptions from the comfort of my mobile phone. Whenever she has to get groceries too, my bank makes it cashless and convenient. And the part my wife loves the most is when my bank makes it possible and easy for her to shop from any part of the world without moving. <laughs> Welcome to the smart world of Ecobank. Download Ecobank Mobile from Google Play Store, all the app store and discover the smart way to bank. Ecobank, the Pan-African bank. Many people think I get whatever I want because I'm a popular actress. But no, that is not true. And when I find it, I stick to it. My shishimanya bell pack tissues. Bell pack and tea roll. Bell pack tea roll. Soft, but not weak. Strong, but not hard. It is smooth. Me yusua, me hotome. It's just perfect. Same as the kitchen towel. Uti bakwa. Uti mi de pepaye. Uti mi soki. Echimu esapepa. One bell pack kitchen towel lasts longer and saves you money. It's time you switch to bell pack today. Say a pocket tissue, table napkin, tea roll, and a kitchen towel. Bell pack is simply the best. It's just perfect. Nothing feels so good like bell pack. Daddy, daddy, this tank is big. Yes, that's true. It can store a lot of water. That's so true. Wow, it has a working surface like it. Mm-hmm, that's so true. I can see S-I-N-T-E-X syntax. That is so true, my daughter. When it falls down, it will spoil That's not true. But why? Yay! Syntex <laughs> was the first to introduce double layer tanks in Ghana. Syntex again was the first to introduce white inner layers in Ghana. 
Sintex gives you the biggest warranty, seven years. No matter your water needs, Sintex is the answer. Sintex Tank. Are you strong? Are you tough? Welcome back from the break. Now, a group calling itself Concerned Youth of Asawase is disputing initial findings of the Interior Ministry that 34-year-old Salawuddin Yusuf died after hitting himself against the wall. They insist the cause of death, as reviewed by an autopsy, corroborate earlier reports that the victim was beaten to death. Leader of the Concerned Youth, Umar Harris, wants an independent investigation conducted for justice to prevail. Nanaya Jima went back to the Dagomba Line community where the suspect died and found this report. On Tuesday, Interior Minister Ambrose Derry was invited to Parliament to update the House on the death of 34-year-old Salahuddin Tafilu, who died at Dagomba Line in a police swoop. The minister, contrary to claims of eyewitnesses, refuted that the suspect was brutalized and killed by police. He claims the police explained the deceased hit himself in a wall after being released immediately after his arrest. He was handcuffed by the arresting officers, but was later released to go when he showed signs of sickness. The arresting officers allege that the disease while running away hit himself against a wall and fell down. The claims by the minister have been disputed by the concerned youth of Asanwasi who insist the suspect was brutalized to death by the police. A copy of the autopsy report intercepted by Joy News revealed massive hemoperitoneum, which is blood in abdominal cavity, splenic rupture, and blunt force trauma as causes of death. Leader of concerned youth, Umar Harris, describes the minister's claim as laughable, requesting an independent investigation into the matter. Since when did it become a norm that police will arrest a suspect and suspect that the suspect is sick and release the suspect to go? This is the question that we are asking them. And then they also made a very laughable claim that when they were taking him and then he ran and then hit himself into a hole. And that is how he sustained the multiple injuries that the, um, the reports showed. How do you hit yourself against a hole and suddenly you get abdominal bleeding? What and what? You see, it doesn't connote to logic. They should credit the Zongo community with some intelligence. What they are saying is actually laughable, but I don't begrudge the interior minister because I feel like he was someone to come and see as far as he's the minister designate. So what was reported to him is what he presented. So I don't think he has a very good appreciation of the matter. And that is basically the reason why he made those comments. And I'm sure by the time Honorable Muntaka Mubarak, the MP of Aswansi constituency, which we are so proud of when it comes to this issue, the way he's handled it, I'm very proud of him. When he asked him the questions, I'm sure that after that, the interior minister will reflect and know that what he is saying, you know, is quite uh, like trying to downgrade the intelligence of the, Zong, uh, the people of Zongo. So we are again calling on the interior minister that this is what we are saying. We are not satisfied because what he said is different from what actually happened. So we are calling on them. We don't want to lose hope in the I mean, judicial system. Upon a visit to the scene the day after the incident, residents narrated the victim was caught up in a swoop and manhandled by the police. They revealed he was dragged on the ground after being beaten and hit severally by the police with their boots. When you see police 
on est sur le terrain on est on It was a swoop, so many people were running. Unfortunately, he was stripped to fall. They started hitting them by the foot and later handcuffed him. They realized he was weak and removed the handcuff. Why do you beat him even if he's done something wrong? That is how he died. It has taken efforts of leaders in the Zongo community to restrain the youth from attacking the police following the demise of the second person in separate police swoops. For Joy News, Nalea Ojima reporting. Now, some commercial tricycle riders on Wednesday blocked the race course section of the road leading to the Kumasi Central Market in a protest against the Metropolitan Assembly. The action is to resist the restriction of the operations to the central business district of the city as part of a decongestion exercise by the KMA. Leaders of the riders are courting the attention of the city authorities to have deliberations on the new directive. Daniel Jima has more in the following report. The riders occupied the race course to Adun, denying all vehicles using the route access to the central business district. They used concrete blocks to barricade the road. A police team had to move in to restrict the movement of the protesters. Leaders of the police team engaged the riders to exercise restraint in their protest against the KME. The riders yielded and opened the road to traffic but they promised to repeat the protest if city authorities refused to open up for further engagement on the restriction of commercial tricycles to the CBD. Then everything, anytime you call us threatening, we will bring you the military people, we will bring you the anti-robbers. Let them come. At the end, they will shoot me. I will die. Won't they die? They will also die. They will also die. Spokesperson Ahmed Al-Hassan says they will deploy all reasonable means to get city authorities to listen to their concerns. I know, but now I just want to send our message. Say, we only wanted to send them a message that's why we blocked the road this is not right if they refuse to make us work in the cbd we will resort to legal means you can't answer the question that will provoke us to answer any wrongly information. We are not going to fight. Meanwhile, the riders have refuted claims that their activities contribute to congestion of the city center. They expect the KMA to consider enacting bylaws that will regulate activities of all commercial vehicles to decongest the city. You said that we, the Praja people, we made the central business to say no. Now go there and see. You see, people are selling things on the road, which they're supposed to be in their shops. This is one. Two, you yourself, you told us you identified 25 illegal petrol stations within the central business. And you said that there is a law that said no truck, big truck, should be in the CDB between the hours of 9 a.m. up to 5 p.m. But now, when we are coming, we saw a big truck at the other end. 
When you come to Kumasi, if a throttle moves from Mamponte, he will stop hard and get to KTR and about, and even stop offload and load passengers. There are those causing the traffic. We don't have proper bus stop for throttle and commercial vehicles in Kumasi. Secondly, when you are from Boss FM heading to Edum uh, or Voice Runabout, from Roma Hill Central Market, headed to Otunfo Runabout, from Otunfo Runabout to Dr. Mensa, you will see clearly that part of the road has been given to throttle drivers and taxi drivers as taxis. So we have unauthorized taxis in the central business that will work on that. For Joy News, Nalaya Ojima reporting. Now, former Power Minister Kwabena Donko says public companies like the electricity company of Ghana must not be subject to the strict public procurement laws of the country. His comment follows the Auditor General citing ECG for over $145 million worth of procurement breaches between 2016 and 2021. While speaking to joiners, the pro-East MP argued that by the operation of the Companies Act, ECG and other such public companies are not subject to the public procurement laws. There is a fundamental issue, the fundamental issue of governance. As a society, as a country, what do we want? When we set entities up as companies, these entities differ considerably from boards, authorities, etc. They are not part of the public sector. The best practice is for companies to operate as companies. Indeed, I have filed an urgent question for the minister responsible for state enterprises. We mixed these things up um, when we converted by an act of parliament a number of corporations to companies. Indeed, if you will recall, I posed an urgent question in parliament. The attorney general came to answer that the auditor general has no power to audit companies. Both the Constitution and the Audit Service Act are quite clear. Companies are exempted from the ambit of the audit of the Auditor General. As a people, we have to come to terms with that. Dr. Kwabena Donko insists it is also illegal that the Auditor General continues to audit those companies like any other public institution. If you decide to set it as a corporation, that's fine. But once you decide that you should operate as a commercial company, then it should be allowed to operate as a commercial company. The governance structures will then be different. The board of directors will set up guidelines on procurement, and these guidelines will be approved by the shareholder. The shareholder being the government of Ghana represented by a minister. Once it is done, we hold the board and management accountable to managing the entity in the best commercial sense. Well, 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 do, do we do this by changing law, or we can simply do this by practice? And what would that mean in reality? Currently, by the law, they are not under the Auditor General. So would you suggest that the continuous auditing of the, these companies is against the law? Yes, I have stated it, and I've stated it publicly. And it was for that reason that I brought the Attorney General, who is the Chief Legal Officer of the State, to Parliament, and he re-echoed that, that the Auditor General has no power to audit companies. The law does not give him that power. Finally, what would you say to those who say that that will give such companies such leeway to 
misappropriate funds to continuously do things that will not be to the benefit of the company as the way the public procurement law was set up to prevent some of these things. That would be a very unenlightened position. We were conscious, we knew the difference between a company and a corporation, and we opted for a company. And therefore, once we've opted for a company, then the board that we have put in place, the board must ensure that. The board must issue guidelines on procurement. The shareholder, who happens to be you and I, the good people of Ghana, will have to approve the guidelines. And once that is done, the company is mandated to go by the guidelines. So if there's any infraction, company law takes, uh, kicks, in, kicks in to punish the uh, infraction. You're still watching Johnny's Prime. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with Showbiz. is our house. Let's keep it natural. Natural it is. <laughs> natural is definitely better. Fruitally, the all-natural fruit juice. This advert is FDA approved. For the ultimate in entertainment, switch on now. Are you feeling what I'm feeling? Yes! Because DSTV is gonna make you with something for everyone. Switch on a world of action and comedy, reality, drama. We play now with the DSTV app and catch up. I got you, girl. Get the My DSTV app to get or stay connected. Switch on a world of wow. wow. <laughs> and switch on now with DSTV. Day by day.
Amen. Strong and refined. The skincare you deserve. Dream. There are days when you think, whoa, today I've earned it. So order a global. Days when plants run longer. What if we order a global? Or days when you can't control everything. Oh yes, because on Global, you can order anything you want. Global, you order with the... Vet Investment Limited. Welcome back from the break. Time for us to bring you show. Because like, you know what? She's already started getting me laughing. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you started it, but we won't tell everybody what you're talking about. But let's talk about uh, so the residents of Idia Bing in the Bosomchi district of the Ashanti region, Brace, uh, have been gifted with a mechanized borehole to ease their challenges in assessing portable water. The $20,000 intervention by the family of gospel musician Diana Entry Hamilton. Uh, includes a free health screening package to improve the health and well-being of the community. The commissioning of the FE entry mechanized borehole comes as a relief to the community. Clinton Yeboa has the rest of the story. The Adriabin community sits in seclusion from basic amenities. Residents trek daily to remote water sources to access clean water. They say walking the distance to access water is time-consuming and physically demanding. When the water sources we are banking our hopes on get spoiled, we have to walk miles. We are grateful for the new one that has been commissioned. We are happy that those who sing to the glory of God are able to look back. We are satisfied with this gesture. They were speaking in appreciation of the commissioning of a mechanized borehole to lessen the plight. The borehole was constructed by the family of Apostle F.E. Entry as part of the 10-year memorial celebration of his passing. Residents of Adriabin were also offered extensive free health screening. Daughter of the Apostle, Dinah Hamilton Entry, indicates the urgency of investing $20,000 in community initiatives. We, the family, the children, his brothers and the whole family decided to give back to the community. And so we did speak to the chiefs and the elders of the community. And by the grace of God, we agreed on putting up a borehole, a mechanized one for the community. So we did that. And being that we are all in the health profession, decided to also give back in terms of giving health care um, to the people in the community. So water is life. And, and so if the community doesn't have water and their health is affected everything is affected and so the other community had boreholes at different places but this was um, a part of the community that they didn't have and so we had to give them chief of a diabin nana kwabina appear kubi expressed his gratitude for the gesture <laughs> This area had no water source and residents had to journey to get access to clean water. May God bless them.
Reporting for joining News, Clinton, Yeboa. Congratulations to Diana Hamilton and God bless you for that. But please, let's talk about arts. Mm -hmm. uh, Ghanaian visual artist Michael Jackson Blebo has urged young creatives never to relent in working towards achieving their dreams during an exhibition at the Institute Museum of Ghana. Michael explained how he gathers his inspiration, adding that his wish is to see others draw encouragement from the environment. The little thing I'll say to you, whoever is watching this, is please don't let anybody despise your happy belief in big days I'm going to begin. My expression has always been my environment. I mean, anywhere I find myself in the world, I try to open my eyes as wide as I can to see what people are not seeing. So, um, I remember back in um, university, that is Ken University, there were posters of Absalatelier, they were opening up for other artists and students to like, sign up. So I took this opportunity. Even when back in school I didn't have any artworks, I decided to build my portfolio right from school. And after school I decided to enter this competition. And what means of has been involved in the Latelier competition for about 37 years and um, we try and unearth young artists and support them and nurture their talents. So this is something that we have been doing and we normally invite them to join the competition for across all the countries that we operate in. And we invite young artists from across uh, the continent to uh, join the um, competition. And um, usually, once we unearth the talent, we support them with a master class in art business. And then also, we try to organize what we call the solo exhibition and the travel exhibition. What you're seeing here today for Michael, and then the Ayobolo from Nigeria and Adele from South Africa, this is their travel exhibition. They've already been to South Africa. Well, uh, I love art. Do you love art? Yeah. Mm. What do you see? When I look at you? Yeah, work of art. You have got truly handwork because you look beautiful, mm. you look attractive. Mm. Oh, your complexion is just super. It's okay. And you know, every, everything is in check. It's okay. It shows how perfect God is. I'm not blushing. Should I continue? Let's co congratulate. Like Nata said. <laughs> Number one of five by five. Oh, shaping me. Hey, shaping oh, nice. oh, like I'm shaping you in my mind. Okay, so, yeah. okay, relax for us and the viewers. <laughs> but Ghanaian singer based in the United Kingdom, Stephanie Benson, has received a humanitarian platinum leadership award from the United Nations Brace and the award was presented to her at an event held at the United Nations headquarters in New York. The ceremony which took place at the delegates dining room of the United Nations provided a platform for nominees to have insight with other like-minded individuals who were passionate about creating positive change in the world. One of the citations read, quote, this award is bestowed upon individuals to have demonstrated uh, exceptional leadership skills and made significant contributions to building a better world, particularly in the achievement of the Sustainable Development Goals. In all, Stephanie Benson received four honors 
on the night, which include uh, an appointment as a global peace ambassador representing the Institute of Public Policy and Diplomacy Research. So congratulations so to Stephanie Benson, ben. hot yep. mama. Mm -hmm. And that's how we end the show. Exactly. You, you got something to tell our viewers? Uh, that uh, we are grateful to them for their time mm -hmm. and that Piles Kujubaka is up next with Prime Business. But don't forget to log on to myjournal.com for more news. Bye. Hi, now let me share my wildlife experience with you at Safari Valley Eco Park. Welcome to Safari Valley Eco Park. Our electric shuttle pulled up and in no time our tour began. We were surrounded by wildlife from the moment we entered the eco park. We were greeted by experienced tour guides who took us through orientation and how to better enjoy the experience. Watch these animals roam freely in their natural habitat and disturb by our presence. We saw zebras, sable antelopes, brown cranes, mara, silky chicken, nalas, Shetland ponies, and so many animals I just couldn't keep up. Our tour guides taught us so much about the wildlife, their behavior, and how to interact with them. I even fed them. We also went fishing on a man-made canal. Then we took a break to have lunch in this serene environment. All this amazing experience for this price for adults? This price for teenagers. It's a bargain. As the sun began to set, it was time to go back home, but not before dinner by the campfire. It has been a thrill of a lifetime, and I can't wait till my next visit. Safari Valley Eco Park, bringing you closer to nature. Adam, I'm looking for Abena. Abena, there's someone looking for you. Adam, please where's Abena? Abena, yes, is this who you are looking for? Ah. Adam, please get me Abena. Please. Della. Abnabra. Oh, Say hello to GoTV's newest package. GoTV Super Plus has all the great channels you love on GoTV Super. Plus, big time international and kids channels the whole family will love. Plus, plenty of live Premier League action on Super Sports Premier League channel. It's the package you ask for and we listen. GoTV Super Plus, available from 1 August. GoTV. Segment is brought to you by Ecobank, the Pan African Bank. It's time you switch to Bell Park today.
Hi, everyone. Warm welcome to Prime Business with me, Pius Kujubaka. To our very first story, telecommunication giant MTN has recorded some significant loss in its subscriber numbers for the first half of this year. Now, the telecom player pulls the loss at almost 5 million subscribers ending June this year due to the same re-registration exercise. There is more in the following reports. The significant loss puts the current subscriber base of MTN at 27.3 million ending June this year. MTN in its financial accounts for half year noted that as part of the regulatory directive, it was required to deactivate 5.4 million SIMs by the end of May this year. However, based on the extension, more than 400,000 had their lines restored. MTN was, however, quick to add that the full impact of this disconnection exercise we felt in the last half of this year. The financials also revealed that data and mobile money continues to be the major driver of MTN's record profit for the first half of this year. The total number of mobile money accounts for half year stood at 14.2 million, whilst active data subscribers was 14.1, ending June this year. Economist Dr. Patrick Isumain is predicting that commercial banks will struggle to recapitalize due to the impact of the domestic debt exchange program on the financial sector. His comment is coming at the time rating agency Fitch has warned that the huge losses imposed on bondholders under the domestic debt exchange program has significantly weakened the banking sector's capitalization. But the central bank itself made a significant loss of about 60 billion cities as a result of the DDEP. Now, reacting to this development, Dr. Sumin believes it will take a while for banks to recapitalize. I think that, you know, if there's any immediate increment in the capital requirement, there will be a little bit of struggle for some of the banks. Um, there's no two ways that the domestic debt exchange has weakened the banks in some sense. But also, you know, it's not just what was closed in the exchange that was closed. Back in February, we know that new debt exchanges being muted, being muted by the government, and you, you get a sense that all of this will bring further weaknesses within the banking system. When the Bank of Ghana released the data in, in relation to the last MPC meeting, we do see that uh, credit growth to the private sector has has more than about halved. I mean, compared to the previous year, so we've already seen that that impact on the credit to the private sector is being, man is being manifest within the economy already. And again, we've seen the Bank of Ghana itself make losses of about 60 billion cities. What will be the effect on the central bank lending to commercial banks going forward? I don't really think that that particular loss will, will significantly impact its ability to, to manage the, the financial system whether through overnight lending or not. I think, you know, we, we have to understand that this, where this loss has come from. It is because, you know, the central bank had to absorb a lot more deeper losses from the domestic debt exchange, uh, as the bank has explained, whereas the ordinary Ghanaians and other institutions, they didn't really see a cut in their... In the principal, the Bank of Ghana had to take a huge cut in the principals, in addition to, you know, other losses. 
Finance Minister Ken Ufuriata is asking state-owned institutions to complement the effort of government in ensuring macroeconomic stability. According to him, government is determined in ensuring a robust economy amidst the current economic downturn. Hence, institutions should not relent in their efforts to support themselves. He was speaking at the 70th anniversary launch of GCB Bank PLC. The Finance Minister's anniversary launch reiterated government commitment in supporting banks to bounce back. He, however, commended the efforts of GCB Bank PLC in contributing to the national development agenda. I reaffirm our government's commitment to creating an enabling environment for the financial sector to thrive. We'll continue to implement policies that foster economic growth, financial stability, and inclusivity. It has been a challenging year, and I described it in the media review as a period in which we all have been bruised, we have been battered, and we have been broken. However, we stood firm, resolute, and resilient. And this is what GCB should continue to be. So clearly, it has been a very challenging year. What matters most, however, is that our respective institutions, and this, we as government and GCB, were not deterred by our circumstances. Managing Director for GCB Bank PLC, Kofi Adumaku maintained that the bank will continue to improve on its customer experience. We have also strategically increased our investment in the retail business in tandem with the growth in disposable incomes of, individual, of individuals. Through our innovative digital channels, we successfully cater for our discerning retail customers and will continue to do so. So, for the second time today, I welcome you all to our 70th anniversary and back to the promised bank. The anniversary is under the theme 70 years of providing unraveled financial solutions towards the socioeconomic development of Ghana. And to more stories, players within the real estate sector are optimistic the Real Estate Act, as well as a proper regulatory framework, will support the operations of the sector to expand. According to lawyer and engineer Theophilos Ejimega, the move will aid in the fight against money laundering within the industry and sanitize the operations. He spoke to Joy Business at the official opening of Southern Land Bank Limited. The introduction of the Real Estate Act is to streamline the operations of real estate agents and brokers for better organization and accountability. According to engineer Theophilus Jimega, players should desist from activities that will affect the growth of the sector. The Real Estate Act is a, a game changer. I see it to be uh, something that will make it that people who use real estate at money laundry conduits will make sure will be aware that the, the law now prohibits something like that they will be caught now it also makes it that you don't just go to anybody for the person to say i'm an agency i sell no you need the license before you do that and when you don't do that there is a penalty for that for it it's up to a um, jail term up to five years or a fine that is it so that will be a real changer in terms of the real estate agency Managing Director of Sudan Land Bank Limited, Agnes Jan Ej, called for more partnerships within the space. The best investment anybody can do in this world today is to invest in land. 
So I'm going to talk a bit about land this afternoon. I know you all believe that land ownership over the years has been very challenging and very stressful with a lot of uncertainties and heartbreaks. And I believe that we at Sedan Land Bank have taken all your concerns into consideration and brought closure to all your concerns regarding security and litigation in acquiring land in Ghana and across Africa. The company says land bank is necessary since land acquisition is a major factor contributing to Ghana's housing challenges. Now, the Ghana Free Zones Authority is appealing to businesses in the export-oriented space and other service providers to join the new licensing regime, which gives them the opportunity to enjoy some incentives from the authority. According to the Chief Executive Mike Okwejinia, the new licensing concept allows all export or service um, that deliver about 70% of goods outside the country to be part of the scheme, irrespective of their locations. He spoke after engaging the Association of Ghana Industries in a meeting. The engagement with the Accra chapter of the Association of Ghana Industries was aimed at enhancing information sharing among players of key sectors of export trade in order for the country to benefit from the Continental Free Trade Agreement. According to the Chief Executive for Free Zones, Mike Okwe Jr., Ghana's friendly business environment makes it the ideal location for more investors to establish their businesses. He therefore used the opportunity to call on export-oriented businesses and service providers to consider joining the free zone scheme in order to benefit from many incentives. You don't need to be in a free zone enclave to get a license. You can be around your area or the source of your raw material. So if you are doing share and you want to be located in the north, you can be in the north but have the license and not be in the location to be a free zone company. Another thing that we also want to inform the Ghanaian public about is if you are doing 70% of export, then you are welcome to come and get these monetary incentives or the non-monetary incentives. When you come, we'll go into detail depending on the kind of company you have. Because your company may be a manufacturing company, different sets of rules apply. Your company may be a services company, different sets of rules apply. But we are even inviting more service companies to come. Why? Ghana has been said to be the second most peaceful country in Africa as per the Global Peace Index. Chairman for the Greater Accra AGI, Chona Makbelu, described the meeting as a very fruitful one, which afforded an avenue for captains of industries to share their challenges with the authority. I thought it was a, a crucial and a strategic attempt to collaborate with the free zone in order to have most of our members have their companies as free zone companies. The, today's meeting is essentially to expand the relationship and to really understand what it takes to become a free zone company. So it will be very fruitful. As a result of these conversations, a lot of things were revealed. For example, that 70%, you need to be able to export 70% of your products and also there's no revenue threshold. What it means is that most of our SMEs are able to enroll at the, at, as free zone companies. We didn't know that. In the past, you only see very few companies run by elderly people, grown-ups, and very rich. But with this expose, we know that SMEs can partake. Mind you, most of our members are SMEs. And so for us, it's very important and strategic. 
The theme for the meeting was the role of Ghana Free Zones Authority in harnessing the potential of the private sector for economic good. Eben Sabutier's report for Joy Business. In more business news, young graduates from the Engineering Public Leaders Initiative have been proffering some modification to the way businesses are conducted in the public sector. Their suggestions are outcomes a corporate governance coaching afforded them by key personalities from the Public Services Commission. The initiative is also a screening for their potential recruitment into the public service sector. Country Director of the EPL, Juliet Amoa, made this known to join news during a closing ceremony for the fifth public sector cohort orientation. Here is more. The quest to improve efficiency in the public sector has given birth to emerging public leaders with support from the MasterCard Foundation to inject some dynamism into the public service. The fifth batch has concluded its training and is ready to start work at some various state enterprises in the country. According to the country director, Juliet Amoa, time has come for the youth to be given the chance to make a positive mark in the public service. We have now gone on to do further surveys to see how their journeys have been. And their supervisors within the sector will tell you that they do see change. They see a difference in the way that our EPL fellows work, their approach work. They have a can-do attitude. They, they're always thinking about innovation. They're thinking about giving their all. They're passionate. They come to work on time. When they're faced with ethical dilemmas, they're able to take great decisions and overall they're more resilient than the average graduate who has not come through our program so i do think that we're making some change it's not big hairy audacious changes but you do see incremental changes and we're hoping that long term you know rather than short to medium term we will see the change that we want to see lead for transition at mastercard foundation sylvia Kuchibe has also been explaining the scope of the initiative. This partnership allows us to recruit a cohort of 550 young people in Ghana, Liberia and a few other African countries to put them through a public service fellowship. The whole aim is to um, cultivate a new generation of public sector leaders, basically, and make sure that young people are in the public spaces and the spaces where decisions are being taken and their leadership is also being nurtured so that in future they can take up the reins of um, public service and need in various spheres of life. Some of the beneficiaries have been sharing the experiences with Joy News. We have learned to act ethically, think critically, and drive change in our various communities no matter how small it is we've learned from time management how to how to think critically about policies that affect change and bring about sustainability we've also been taught about collaboration team teamwork which is very essential a lot of people complain that in the public sector it's all about one man takes all but here we have been groomed and we are actually going into our various workplaces to be impactful people to be change drivers to be the ones that are actually the future we were instilled some values we were instilled some soft skills we were instilled some technical skills as well which is going to make us very valuable it's going to make us a valuable asset in the public sector space and um, all these soft skills, hard skills.
skills that we've learned is something that's not just going to stick with us, but we are meant to disperse, we are meant to um, come into contact with people in the public sector and make sure that they are influenced by our values and then it continues spreading, spreading, spreading and then very soon we'll have a very not perfect but near perfect public sector which is a very effective one. Thank you very much. In a bid to foster energy consciousness and empower the youth with valuable knowledge on sustainable energy usage, the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission is undertaking a tariff education program in public universities across the country. The initiative aims to educate students on the complexities of energy tariffs, pricing structures, and the importance of responsible energy consumption. Executive Secretary of the PURC, Dr. Ishmael Aka, says the move by the Commission is to demystify the tariff regime in the country. There is more in this report. Energy tariffs are a critical component of any nation's energy sector as they directly influence consumer behavior and energy consumption patterns. In Ghana, like many other countries, tariffs play a significant role in determining electricity and water prices for domestic, commercial, and industrial consumers. The PURC's tariff education program seeks to demystify the complexities surrounding tariff structures and empower students to make informed decisions regarding their energy usage. Dr. Ismailaka is the executive secretary of the PURC. Uh, we have three main reasons. The first one is to explain uh, what we consider in determining the tariff. The second one is to encourage consumers uh, at least to use electricity efficiently. And the third one is to provide a platform for students to also ask questions, engage us, and provide recommendations and suggestions to us. So we came to uh, Cape Coast Technical University today. One of the key things we mentioned was that we have two tariff windows at PURC. We have the major tariff and the quarterly adjustment. So, for instance, we take their proposals during the major tariff and we compare the figures in there with their own historical analysis. So we do what we call trend analysis. So last year they bought a transformer, let's say, at $2 million. If this year they are making a proposal and they are telling us that the transformer will cost $5 million, we question them, we compare and do other things. We also compare the prices with regional, similar utilities in the region across Africa so that at least we can have a, a very good price, a price consumers will not burden consumers. And finally, we also go to the market to do a market survey so that we can compare the prices. Dr. Aka believes when students are empowered, Ghana's energy consumption space will be the better for it. So every quarter, what we do is that we compare what we forecasted for three years against what is happening in that quarter. So for instance, when we're doing the major tariff review, we said the exchange rate was five CDs to one dollar. But maybe after a quarter, it has moved to eight CDs to a dollar. What we do is that we compare what we used and take the difference and either add or subtract from the tariff. If we also said the SN rate will be five, but it's now two, then it means that the city has gained, so we have to also reduce the tariff. So we do these reviews to ensure that ECG, the transmission companies, and the generating companies have enough to cover 
their cost of operating and their cost of maintenance and cost of investment. Some of the students shared their experiences with Joy News. Um, actually, I'm a procurement student. This program was so lovely. We were educated about how um, electricity and water system works and then how we can also measure the consumption rates um, in our homes. So it was so lovely. It was so lovely. And then we really enjoyed it. Really enjoyed the program so much. The organizer for the procurement department. And this program... We really like the program because we have, we have learned a lot and we have learned how the Ghana uh, water company and how the electricity, how they operate things. And I think nowadays you are going to understand when they bring a new things on board. We really thank you people. I say God will embrace you and we are expecting more. Okay, this program has taught me a lot that I don't waste energy because I'm going to pay for it. I don't leave things on when I'm not using it. Example is leaving my TV on, coming for lectures. So when I do all this, I'm going to consume less and I'm going to pay for less. The PURC's initiative to educate the youth on energy tariffs is expected to yield several long-term benefits for the nation. Reporting for Joy News, Richard Kujunyako. The National Lottery Authority has projected a 1.4 billion Ghana cities for the gaming industry to support economic growth through various partnerships. According to Director General of the Authority, Samuel Awuku, the introduction of innovative and exciting games will aid in raking in more revenue and create business opportunities through the operations nationwide. He was speaking at the official launch of Game Park Limited. Game Park Limited is licensed to operate lottery in Ghana as a third-party collaborator to the National Lottery Authority. At the launch, Director General Samuel Ewuku called for more collaborative effort through gaming to support revenue mobilization. Game Park, you've been knocking on our doors for the last two years. And I'm excited that you're able to go through these rigorous processes that do have the Honorable Dr. John Kuma and myself sitting on the board as well. As a regulator, we offer an even playing field. And we believe that as our third party collaborators, our belief is that your new game, which is the pick four, which you can be which can be played online and via USSD, with as low as one Ghana CD will inject some excitement into the Ghanaian lottery space. Executive Director of Game Park Limited, B.B. Bright, said Game Park would uphold the highest form of integrity for patrons to have the needed trust. As a third-party collaborator licensed by the National Lottery Authority, Game Park is a wholly-owned Ghanaian company. The company draws its experience from its technical service provider, Supreme Ventures, the premier gaming and entertainment provider in the Caribbean and in Jamaica. In search of a partner, not only did Supreme Ventures stand out due to their 20 years and over of experience, Supreme Ventures is also listed on the Jamaican Stock Exchange since 2006 and it has provided exciting games, products and solutions through its extensive distribution network. The launch of Game Park Limited is a pivotal moment in Ghana's gaming industry, raising expectations for an innovative and trustworthy lottery platform that is poised to redefine the gaming landscape in the country. And that's all we have for you in this package by way of Prime Business. With me, Pius Kujobaka. You can get great stories on myjoyonline.com forward slash business. We've got some international business for you, after which Prime Sports is next.
the business segment was brought to you by Ecobank, the Pan-African Bank. Fever, headache, vomiting, loss of appetite. I couldn't even eat my usual fufu. <laughs> you and your fufu. But I hope you got it tested before the malaria treatment. Yes, I did. And thanks to Malatu, I kicked out malaria one time. When malaria strikes, take Malatu, containing Arthemeter and Lumifantrin. Comes in tablets and suspension for effective treatment of malaria. Great to have that. Thank you. No problem. Malatu is suitable for adults and children. Manufactured and distributed by NS Chemist Limited. This advertisement has been vetted and approved by the FDA. Many people think I get whatever I want because I'm a popular actress. But no, that is not true. Mia Kasano, Adebia Miyebiano, Mishishimta Papano. And when I find it, I stick to it. Mashishimanya Bell Park Tissues. Bell pack and with tea roll. Bell pack tea roll. Soft, but not weak. Strong, but not hard. It is smooth. Me yusua, me hotome. It's just perfect. Same as the kitchen towel. Uti bakwa, uti mi de pepaye, uti mi soki, eti mu esa pepa. One bell pack kitchen towel lasts longer and saves you money. It's time you switch to Bell Pack today. Say your pocket tissue, table napkin, tea roll, and a kitchen towel. Bell Pack is simply the best. It's just perfect. Sports segment is brought to you by Commander DBS Industries to you. Let's go to DBS Industries.
Hello and welcome to Prime Sports with me, Razak Musbal. Now, it is 17 days to the start of the World Athletics Championship in Budapest, Hungary, and Ghana will be represented by a host of athletes in both track and field events. Now, the Minister of Youth and Sports, ahead of that, Mustafa Yusuf, has assured of government's commitment to make all resources available to enable the team deliver at the tournament. He spoke exclusively to Joy Sports. I've had conversation with the Ghana Athletic Federation led by Bawa Fuseni, and uh, they have put in the team together, and I'm very confident that the team will go to Budapest and do us a uh, 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 honor again, just like they did in Oregon in the USA, where they did so well, uh, the, especially the Quartet team, was, uh, they performed splendid performance. And I have, a com very, very, I have confidence that even going to Budapest, they will even do better. Uh, as a country, we are giving them all the necessary support uh, to ensure that their, their participation becomes very successful. One of the things that I remember speaking to Bauer was the fact that they needed to be able to come the athletes. Have you had such a conversation? And is the ministry um, putting together resources to be ensure that the team... Yes, that's why I said the resources and the logistics that are needed for the national team, the government is committed in making sure that we give them the necessary support so that when they get to Budapest, they will lift the flag of our country high. Now, still on the minister, he also revealed that Ghana has received the $10.5 million worker money from FIFA, but is awaiting direction from the presidency to determine the specific use for the money. Uh, the FA have written and indicated to us that they've received the prize money, and I've mentioned it, that the prize money has arrived, but they have no control of how it is being utilized. They would have wished that they have all the money to invest in sports development, but we should understand that the country invested heavily in our uh, preparation, in the qualification period, to be even qualified, aside that, and also the participation. So what we have, we have requested, we have requested to the Chief of Staff to give us direction, and we have given various options. Aside that, there is also precedent that we have to follow. 2006, the, the state took 50% of the price money. In 2010, the state took 100% of the price money. In 2014, the state, the state took 50% and gave some 50% uh, for the for, for the GFA and the ministry to use it for AFCON in 2015. And in 2020, we are yet to get approval from the, uh, uh, the, the presidency on how it is going to be utilized. And once we get the confirmation, we'll, we'll make it public. Okay. Um, one of the things that, that, that the FA's president spoke about at the Congress was the fact that they also want to use part of the money to put up, say, a facility or um, a three-star facility at, at Pram Pram, yeah, so that would... Oh, no, it's a request that they've put together informing us that uh, they've received, they, they also made appeal to government, if government could give them portion of the money, so that they will invest in uh, 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 accommodation facilities, so that our national teams, instead of us having them to accommodate them in hotels, once we are having a tournament, they can come there and also develop pitches over at the Pram Pram, it's something that we are considering, but at the end they Let's wait till we get approval from the presidency. The FIFA Women's World Cup now and Fembi Ingatlana scored a last gas winner to give South Africa their first ever Women's World Cup win as they defeated Italy by three goals to two to qualify for the last round, uh, for last 16 round of the tournament and sending the Italians home. Now, striker Glathana struck two minutes into stoppage time 
earlier today to set up a clash with the Netherlands in Sydney on Sunday. And he broke, she broke the hearts of the Italians who needed just a draw to progress. Boring Group G at the FIFA Women's World Cup as both South Africa and Italy chase a place in the round of 16. South Africa haven't fully settled yet. Oh, the referee's given a penalty. Just inside the box, the foul. Caruso from the spot scores. Equally so for Italy there to cut it out. Oh, the prospect's gone in. It's an own goal. What a terrible error by Orsi. Didn't look where Durante was. Durante wasn't expecting it. And South Africa have the most unlikely lifeline in Wellington. Messi thought about coming towards her. Hatlana, lovely little pass. Russo's delivery, the little flick is in, it's 2-2, the substitute off the bench to do it again for the Italians. Katlana is the only one inside the penalty area, Magaya, lovely first touch, can she do it again? Now, South African head coach Desiree Ellis was left elated after the game and she had some glowing applause for her team. This is just amazing. I thought they were incredible. I thought we said we're going to fight for every ball. We said we're not going to give up. And they were absolutely, absolutely magnificent out there. But this victory is for everyone back home. People that got up in the early hours of the morning to support us. This is for them. This is for everyone involved in women's football that have played a part in getting the players here. The coaches out there, the coaches that have come before, the players that have come before. This is for all of them. A crazy game from the sidelines. But give us your perspective. Look, we always knew that we had it in us. I thought we defended better. Um, we conceded early and it's the first time we've gone behind. And, you know, during training we practiced those moments. And I thought even when we were 2-2, two -two, we still felt that we had it in us. But I must take my hat off to the players. They fought like warriors. They fought like the heroines that we know they are. They fought like for, for, to be historically remembered. And they've made history. Not just getting our first win, but going to the round of 16. And that is freaking amazing. Very amazing there. But it wasn't only South Africa who got a win. Sweden also defeated Argentina to make it three wins from three at the World Cup. Clayton top sport in Group G and a mouth-watering last 16 meeting with the United States of America. With first place essentially guaranteed thanks to a vastly superior goal difference. Sweden made nine changes in Hamilton. I lacked the cohesion of their first two games but still had too much for the opponent. It's climax at the FIFA Women's World Cup. Skoog is the player over this. It is Skoog who goes for it. Another really troubling the goalkeeper. 
Free kick swung over and glanced wide by Larrake. Sega. Yanogi, lovely flick. Jakobsen looking to make inroads here, standing up the cross perfectly for Skoog. Who heads wide. Here's Benini. Stepping inside. She's got options as well. It's Benini who has a dip. Benison. Jakobsen. Delicious cross and in. Sweden find the breakthrough to break Argentina's hearts. Rubinson takes. Hurtig's header is missed. Now, the spot here. This looks like she's wrestled to the deck there. It's Rubinson. Absolutely no mistake. Rodriguez. Sweden win the group. Nine points from nine. So some clap football now and Ghana international Mohamed Salisu has officially completed his transfer move to Ligue San as Monaco ahead of the 2023-24 season. Now the central defender joins the French club on a five-year deal which will see him stay until the summer of 2028. Now, speaking after his unveiling, the Guinean assured of his commitment to helping the club compete at the highest level in next season's French Top Flight League. It's a very great club and, like I said, I'm very happy to be here and it's, it's a big step for me in my career. I'm looking forward to, to the journey, um, to, to, to win games, to, to be the best um, team we can be. Um, I'm very happy to be here. I arrived yesterday evening. Good, it was good. Not, not too long. Um, I enjoy it here. Um, yeah, not, not too tired. It's all right. Oh, I know Taki. I know Taki. I played with him um, back in England. Yeah, we played for, for, for a short time. He's really a nice guy. That's what I mean. Something crazy. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Great. Oh, but I need to practice my French. I think I'm looking forward to the to the journey, and um, hopefully we're gonna make the fans happy by winning the games. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah. Well, let's do some more transfers, and for that, let's connect to Germany in Berlin, where. Uh, partner stations, uh, journalist, uh, sports journalist Chris Harrington with our partner station DWTV is stationed. And Chris, good to see you again. And it's all about Sadio Mane. He has completed his move to Al Nasser uh, from Bayern Munich. It was a move that was always coming. You've mentioned it severally here on the show that that move looked quite almost inevitable. But finally, the move has happened. Uh, what is the talk in Germany at the moment relative to this move? And what does Bayern Munich seem to uh, believe to have gotten from this move? Is it a win-win situation, sort of? No, Sadio Mane's time at Bayern Munich, you know, wasn't the outcome that was expected. I mean, they signed him for one reason. They wanted to expand their market value in certain regions. You know, Bayern Munich are a very popular club in different countries, and they wanted to become more popular, you know, in Africa. I did think that was a win-win situation. Obviously, Sadio Mane 
brought the football pedigree along to be a phenomenal signing, but it just didn't work out that well. And I'm happy that he is finding a home. The reports indicate that once the medical goes through, everything will be good and he'll have a deal uh, lasting four years. And we all know who his teammate will be, Cristiano Ronaldo. I, I think Al Nasser has done well in terms of piquing the public's interest in terms of the players they're signing. I think this is another step in that direction, signing an African football star in uh, Sadio Mane. And, uh, you know, I'm happy that the deal is done. It's never a good relationship when uh, things end sour, but that's the way it ended in Munich. And I'm happy for the next chapter of Mane, and I'm wishing him all the best. Well, Chris, let's talk about Harry Kane uh, still with Bayern Munich. Uh, of course, we know how uh, Bayern Munich have stepped up their interest for Harry Kane. We understand Tottenham Hotspur uh, have, you know, indicated that they want something at least in the region of 9,200 million, and Bayern Munich appear keen on signing Harry Kane. What, what update do you have relative to this very Harry Kane uh, move, which we understand is likely to happen? Yeah, we've talked about this uh, on and on. You know, his wife even reported, reports were that she was in Munich looking for homes. Mm -hmm. And uh, in terms of Bayern Munich's business, the chief executive and the technical director are set to meet in London with Tottenham's brass, their chairman and company. They were due to meet last week, but that didn't happen. But they've always kept communication open. You know, they just didn't agree with the number. You know, Byron, obviously, you're going to have to increase their offer and continue doing so. One thing has been clear, uh, Kane will not sign with Tottenham. So Bayern Munich is the club right now. They have this opportunity. You know, uh, talking about the big signing that Harry Kane could be from the Premier League, mm. you know, it sounds very similar to what Sadio Mane was sounding like last summer. You know, so hopefully this will end well for the defending champions. And, um, you know, I, I think Bayern are coming with a uh, accept no. Uh, they're not going to accept no for an answer, basically. You know, I, I think that's the business. That's where they're going to do this in person, face-to-face. -face, and I expect it to be intense. But I think Tottenham want this deal done as well so they can just move on. Even their coach has been saying in press conferences, he's tired of talking about Harry Kane. He's often brought up. You know, there have been puns and jokes. You know, one uh, journalist even brought a Harry Kane Bayern Munich jersey to one press conference. So it's been going on and on. The saga should end. Hopefully it does this week. And uh, we'll be talking about Harry Kane training in Munich soon now. Well, uh, Chris, just before I let you go, uh, anything else hits your radar, you know, happening in Germany? Yeah, of course. I cannot ignore the Women's World Cup, which is going on. You know, the German team ranked two in the world they were shocked by colombia their first group stage defeat since 1995 for the german uh women competing uh, for the world cup mm -hmm. you know colombia they came through in stoppage time venegas headed in the game winner and uh, next germany meets south korea you know so that should be quite interesting hopefully the german women don't repeat the fate the men played out in qatar with you're not being able to exit the group stage, I do expect the German women to do a lot more. You know, we have interviewed a few players, Sarah Dobrich being one of them. She spoke of the women's game becoming more intense, mm. the level field leveling, the playing field leveling in a sense term, in terms of favorites, not so much stronger than other sides. And we saw a very intense match, and uh, Germany ended up on the losing end of 
that's one bit of news. Another news is we saw the first ever uh, hijabi at a World Cup from Morocco. Morocco defeated South Korea, their first ever uh, World Cup victory for the North African nation. And a, a bit of diversity as well. Uh, it's just showing the world that even footballers wear hijabs every once in a while. And uh, it's good to see and, uh, this happen in the World Cup just to open the eyes that it's bigger than the results that happen on the pitch. Also, some things can happen that just move society forward in that sense. So uh, those two tidbits of information is what I have for you. And I'll be right here next week to give you a bit more. Well, Chris, thanks so much for your time. And uh, big, big, big thanks also for making time to join us on Prime Sports tonight. Of course, we connect next week for some more update in Germany. That's Chris Harrington uh, with our partner station, DWTV. But let's do some clap friendlies now. And an injury time goal from Franz Kratzik. Gabe Arnie Munich, a 4-3 friendly win over Liverpool and Singapore earlier today after the Germans fell twice behind. And this man has been talking all about defence and how important the whole team's defending will be in the next 10 months. As Liverpool rain down the left-hand side as Salah opens up a lot of space for himself. He doesn't need it though. Cody Gakpo in the number nine position, back amongst the goals. He had a trail of defenders in his wake that he didn't need any assistance from Salah. And inside the first two minutes, Liverpool have a very early lead. Into that front post and it's Virgil van Dijk. Who puts the cap on the armband from this week? They've worked ever so hard on these set plays this summer. And the big skipper comes in and he elongates that Liverpool lead. Ball over the top there for Gnabry. It was a really smart one as well, and so was the finish. Liverpool look for the flag for the moment. Again, the left hand side of Bayern Munich is where they see most fruit being born here. And Gnabry has loads of time and loads of space to pick out the man at the back post Sane it's a lovely ball from Simicast looking for Mo Salah runners also from Harvey Elliott smart feet from Diaz what a finish really deserving of that goal Luis Diaz for the amount of running and endeavour he's put in since he's come on the pitch we saw it in Germany we're seeing it again here in Singapore the end product is improving week by week and game by game Set play and a free header as well coming in. And the header from De Ligt finished off via the push-out from the, uh, the goalkeeper, Alison Becker. You're delaying that work call another four minutes just in case there might be something else to talk about here. What an effort on goal that was that will settle the game in the end from a Bayern Munich point of view. Franz Kratzig, the youngster. But a really entertaining game and one that's finished up here. Bayern Munich 4, Liverpool 3. Well, from Singapore, let's head to London, where Arsenal managed to retain the Emirates Cup after defeating the AS Monaco 5-4 on penalties at the Emirates Stadium. Thomas Partey did feature for the Gunners. He whips in the ball in, and a close-range header from Fafana gives Monaco the lead. That was so easy. Really good ball in. Fafana, unmarked, close-range, plenty of power. Ramsdale beaten, and it's the Liga side that take the advantage just past the half-hour. Defensively, it comes to corner. Oh, what a save! Unbelievable stop. Kern at his very best.
a real strong hand to this as the corner came. Opportunity, another in swinger. Here he comes! There he goes! Eddie and Ketcher arriving bang on cue from close in to level proceedings for Arsenal. Well, he's been involved in an awful lot in this game already. He's shown skill from outside the box and in wide areas. But can Enriquez put them in front? He can. Cleverly done as well. Confidently struck. Yeah, very. With a shimmy and a shuffle and the bottom corner fouls. Down the middle. Ramsdale guesses wrong, doesn't stay where he is. And Monaco lead 2 1 on spot kicks. Steps the Italian international into the top corner. Brilliant penalty. That little hop into at 3 2. The attack blasts it in. A level at 3 3 against Kern. Finds the top corner. And that particular spot has proved popular for Arsenal and from the spot. This one is. Oh, what a save by Ramsdale! Terrific hit and fantastic tonight. What can he conjure from the spot? Finds the corner, perfectly placed. And Arsenal in pole position. And if Monaco shoot again, it is Volans, and he does. So the honour goes to and a shimmy to the side. And well, that's all we have for you on Prime Sport. Congratulations to Arsenal and even ahead of that game against Manchester City in the Community Shield, Gabriel Jesus has been ruled out for the next few weeks after picking up an injury in that game against Monaco. We'll leave you with Sports Bites. My name is Razak Musbao, and thank you for being a part of this.
segment was brought to you by Mende DBS Industries to you. Let's go to DBS Industries. Welcome to Join News Desk. My name is Aisha Ibrahim. Let me tell you, there's not a small job at all. What can you report from the Fana community? We are still sounding the alarm for people who are hiding to know that help has come. The board is supposed to be meeting this morning to deliberate on this nominee. Yes, this problem has been recurring over time. The people have invested their, the fruits of their excellence and you want to throw it away because you think you can. No, it's not lawful for him to do it, period. What's the basis that these uh, financial assurances will be giving latest today? If you follow what I transpired over the week, we got the information when the president addressed uh, the media celebration indicating that China is going to come on board. 